Welcome to the Rockbrook Church Podcast. Our hope is that today's message brings you hope and clarity for your spiritual journey. We love hearing how God is working in your life. Feel free to share any stories of how this message gave you a new perspective and hope. Email us at church at rockbrook.org to tell your story. Amen. Thank you, worship team. Sung such a great setup uh, for the message today. The message from God's Word about Christmas I'm excited about. Uh, Today, you can follow along in the message notes, which, by the way, we gave you a worship guide when you walked in uh, today. And inside, there's a couple different things. One of them is just a way to track with uh, the message and what's happening there. You can follow along with all the verses and different things. Uh, Another thing is uh, just a little bit about us, and then we'd love to learn a little bit about you. There's a a card in there called the communication card. It's a way that you can just connect back to us. Uh, We don't want to bother you or hassle you. You've got enough people hassling you in your life. We just want to actually uh, send you a a gift. If you're a first-time visitor today, we want to send you a gift thanking you for coming. Uh, We'd love to know how we could pray for you. Uh, Our staff and our prayer team would love to stand with you in prayer. And we've made all that stuff available on an app that's available to download wherever you get an app. It's free to you. While you're getting that out and getting ready, we've been talking about timing in this Christmas season, uh, trusting God's timing in your life. Would you agree that being in the right place at the right time uh, is a good thing? It can produce a right result in your life. I always enjoy hearing stories of people who are in the right place at the right time like a band who's about to break up, and then they get their break. The right person heard them, played their music to the right people at the right time, and then they go on to be a big hit just because things aligned that way. I love this time of year when people are telling their hunting stories because every good hunting story has to include being in the right place at the right time. I looked up uh, about people being in the right place at the right time, and there was a couple... David Zentner and his wife, and they were flying on their Cessna 182 in their city when they decided to fly over their home. They noticed a stranger in the driveway making off with their trailer. So they followed that truck for several miles while they called the police. That hapless robber ended up in jail because he was in the wrong place at the wrong time, but they were in the right place at the right time. I remember reading a story in 2016. Actually, I saved it and threw it into my illustrations bucket. I've been waiting to use it. It's about Dr. Henry Heimlich, the 96-year-old Cincinnati surgeon credited with inventing the life-saving technique named after him, used it for the first time this week to save a fellow senior center resident who was choking on a hamburger, a center spokesman said on Friday. Heimlich, who in multiple national television appearances had demonstrated the Heimlich maneuver to dislodge food from an airway, had never employed it in an emergency, said spokesman Ken Paley. But on Monday, Heimlich was sitting at the communal dining table at at Cincinnati's Dupree House, an upscale senior living center where he lives, and noticed fellow resident Patty Riz, 87, in distress while eating an open-faced hamburger. He dashed out of his seat, put his arms around her, and pressed on her abdomen below the ribcage, following his own instructions, which are displayed on posters required to be displayed in most restaurants in the United States, although some laws have been discontinued. After three compressions, this piece of meat came out 
and she just started breathing. Her whole face changed, Heimlich said in a video interview shared by Paley, Vice President of Marketing for Episcopal Retirement Services, which operates to Prehouse. I sort of felt wonderful about it, just having saved that girl, Heimlich said. I knew it was working all over the world. I just felt a satisfaction, said Heimlich, who has lived in the 120 apartment complex for six years and swims regularly for exercise. Riz said she randomly selected the seat in the dining room on Monday because she is a new resident at Dupree. Quote, when I wrote my thank you note to him for saving my life, I said, God put me in that seat next to you, Dr. Heimlich, because I was gone. I couldn't breathe at all. Okay, what does any of that have to do with Christmas? <laughs> the Christmas story is really all about God intersecting with humanity at the right place in the right time. So Galatians uh, chapter 4, verse 4 and 5 have been our theme verse this Christmas. In fact, let's read it out loud together. When the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. Now, you're here, and I don't know what it took for you to get to church today, but the time is right for God to speak to you out of his word, out of the Bible. The passage we're going to break down today is a passage that churches all over the world are looking at this weekend. It's from Luke chapter 2. It's the account of Christmas. It's the classic Christmas passage. But while we read it here this morning at Rockbrook Church, I just want to highlight and I want you to notice as we read through this, the number of times that you see place and time, a place and a time in the account of Jesus' birth. At that time, the Roman emperor, Augustus, decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for the census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. The reality is God came to a specific place at a specific time for a specific purpose. I want to share a couple thoughts for you about time and place in the Christmas account. Uh, the first for you, or first thought, if you're taking notes, is that things work better when they are in the right place. You might write that in. I spend a lot of my life looking for things. It drives me nuts how much time in my life I spend looking for things I have misplaced. Uh, in the morning, it is the worst when you're trying to leave the house and you can't find your keys and the kids can't find their shoes. I would not want my church to see me in that scenario, right, in those mornings. But I've found that when I put things back in the right place, life works. The same is true in our lives more broadly, and I'm going to use a nativity scene to illustrate. 
because you've got this diverse group of people that have come together in one scene for one purpose, and they have all come together uh, because of Jesus. And the only way a nativity scene works is if you have the right person in the center. The only reason that you would have all these different people drawn together is because of one reason. And if you get something, so this is my nativity scene from my house. We got it at Hobby Lobby. And so it's got this little thing here, and it's got uh, Mary. shepherd. Here will be our shepherd. Here's Joseph. Here's a, a, a magi. Here's an animal. And this nativity scene doesn't have a star uh, or an angel. Instead, it has a palm tree. So <laughs> biblical accuracy is what we're going for here at Rockbrook this morning. But, uh, you know, says heaven and nature sing. So this is going to, this, the palm tree is going to represent heaven and nature this morning. And when we go to set up our nativity scene, even the boys, they go, and Jesus right in the middle. And that makes sense. That works. But if you're taking notes, I want you to write down a few different things. I just put the characters of the nativity scene right there, is we get our life nativity scene messed up. And sometimes uh, we get other things in the center other than Jesus. And so a nativity scene doesn't work if you've got a shepherd in the center and Jesus off to the side, can't even really see him. And a shepherd, you might write this in, that might represent our work. And we start centering our life on work. How do you know if work is the center of your life? Uh, it's you, because you start feeling better, like too much, when things are going better at work. And then when things are not going to work, you start thinking, well, I am my work, and uh, I, I must not be doing good. God must not be pleased with me. I must not really be doing well in life because my work is not going well, and you start being defined by it. Or we might put uh, the magi in the middle, and what would that look? The magi, look, you could write down, this could represent our wisdom. We call them the wise men. And we start centering our life around our wisdom. And everything in our life starts bowing down to what we can comprehend, how we figure it out, how we think about it, and we've put our wisdom in the center. Animals uh, might represent, and I love animals, I love your animals, but just for the sake of this illustration, the animals are going to represent distractions. Would you agree with me that we live in a distracted culture? Uh, and it can come to a point where our whole world begins revolving around our distractions and our problems and everything in our life starts centering on what's the loudest thing and the thing that's distracting us the most and we build our life around it. Uh, Mary and Joseph, both of those are going to represent obviously our family and they can become the center. And friends, sometimes the, f the relationship drama that we're experiencing often flows out of the fact that we have centered our life on those relationships and we're expecting far more out of them than they could ever fulfill. Your relationships cannot hold up to being the center of your life. They will crumble under that, that pressure. Uh, the angels and the star, uh, that's going to represent religion. 
And oftentimes we'll put religion at the center and we'll bow our life down to religion and we're trying to do all the right things and trying to get God uh, to be pleased with us through all the things that we do. I put in your notes though, what makes Christianity different is that the founders of every major religion said, I'll show you how to find God. Jesus said, I am God who has come to find you. And so we put Jesus back in the center. I want to ask you, who's in the center of your nativity scene? Not the one in your home, but the one of your life. What's at the center of your life? Romans uh, 5, 7 through 8 says, Now most people would not be willing to die for an upright person. Though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who's especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. So when I put anything else at the center, it's out of place. It doesn't work right. Jesus came as a savior and he established a kingdom. And the kingdom is so countercultural to the one that we live in today. Uh, his kingdom says, if you want to gain everything in life, you got to be willing to lose it all. Uh, his kingdom says, do you want to be really influential? Do you want to be great? Then become the servant of everyone. And he turned it all upside down. In fact, here's what he says in Matthew 6. So don't worry about these things, saying what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? So all the things that we typically worry about, all the things that God wants to bless, but they don't need to be the center. He says these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. What is in the center matters. So let me ask you, what place does Jesus have in your life? When he's first, he gives us what we need. Now, friend, I'll tell you, this does not guarantee a trial-free life, a problem-free life. It's quite the opposite, in fact, because God knows that what we need is not a trial-free life. What we need is his presence in the midst of the struggle, in the midst of the trial, in the midst of the problems of whatever we face. We need something redeeming and giving purpose to the trials that we face in life. And when we choose to put Jesus in the center of our lives, things work better when they're in the right place and our life will work better. A couple of years ago on Christmas Eve, we went over to my parents' house, celebrated Christmas, all the family there, and uh, they had this little play, this little nativity scene, and uh, a few people had left, and they began cleaning up, packing up for the day, and my mom notices that baby Jesus is missing from the nativity. Anyone else had that problem? If you have a cat, you have that problem, uh, but uh, baby Jesus is gone. And so we begin looking for baby Jesus, can't find baby Jesus. We're looking on the lookout for baby Jesus for weeks. Anyone seen him? We're always keeping an eye out. You open a new car, I haven't opened this drawer lately, looking for baby Jesus. One day, weeks later, maybe months later, a kid pulls out this little toy cash register and opens up the drawer of the cash register, and boom, baby Jesus is in there. And we're able to put him back in the nativity. And I just remember... Every couple of Christmases since, I just remember that of like putting Jesus back in his place and just the celebration there was when 
We found Jesus again and put him in his place, and that's what I'm inviting you to this Christmas. What if 2024 was a year that you really put him first, really put him central? We'd love to help you with that because what happens in the midst of the trial is that common places become holy at the right time. When Lauren and I got married, we moved into an apartment building in Raymore. We lived there for about four, four and a half years. And you know, those early years of marriage are just so formative and they teach you so much and they stretch you and you're growing and you're unlocking new things of faith that you haven't really had to explore before. And uh, we had struggles and things we had to learn and God was just so faithful through that season and through that time in several ways. So every once in a while, uh, when I'm doubting, when I'm struggling, when I'm wondering about God's faithfulness, I'll drive past that apartment building, building 331. Sometimes I go sit in, the, in a parking spot in my truck and I'll just read some scripture and be reminded of God's faithfulness to us. And for me, that building is set apart. It's a holy representation of God's faithfulness. It's a common place. Anybody else... That's building 331. For me, that's a common place that has become holy. Let's read more where we left off in the Christmas account. It says, that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, and they're guarding their flocks of sheep. It's a very common night. It's very ordinary. It's an ordinary place for them. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger, Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. I want to ask you something. When uh, the shepherds go back to that field, whatever hillside, whatever moment, whatever little paddock for these sheep that they were in, do you think that was just a common, ordinary place to them again? No, this is the spot where the veil was lifted and we saw heaven's armies. You know, Bethlehem is not a very impressive town. It's a very common place. Uh, yet thousands of people show up to Bethlehem. Why? Because God showed up there. In fact, you could go to the church of the nativity that is built on top of the cave where uh, Mary gave birth, where this nativity scene happened, and you can go see a spot in this cave that is carved out, that is a manger, how they would carve out a manger in this, in this scene, in this place, and you can see the place where Jesus was born, and it became holy. Those strips of cloth that it talked about in the verse, those are Strips of cloth that would have been used to wrap a, a lamb's legs. And these ordinary cloths get used, become holy, to be the swaddling clothes for Jesus. 
ordinary, common, they become holy. When God shows up, when Jesus is at the center of our lives, we never know when the next holy moment might be, uh, but we got to pay attention to it. One of Jesus' names is Emmanuel, God with us. And the key word for comfort in the midst of trial is this word right here, Emmanuel, that God is with me. This is why I, I, want, you to, I want you to get this so badly, that Jesus is here. Uh, you know, we, we have... We talk about him sometimes like he's in this distant land and, you know, we even think of the Christmas account of kind of like a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away and in Christian circles, we have this horrible habit of talking about Jesus as if he's not even here, like he's just some theory. Imagine how crazy I would sound if, if we were sitting together at dinner and I had my wife there with me and, and I was saying, you know, I would love for you to, to meet Lauren sometime. She's just so beautiful, and you, I just think you two would get along. Like she's so great and so kind. I think you, you, you would really hit it off. And she's sitting right there. You would look at me like I'm a moron, <laughs> like many of you have been looking at me throughout this service. But <laughs> we do this when we talk about Jesus as, his, as if he's hanging out in Israel, or we're just like waiting to hear for him, from him. We wanted Rockbrook to be a place where we praise him, we worship him, we pray to him as though he's really here, because he is. And friend, when you begin praying to him like that and worshiping him like that, and you draw near to him in that kind of way, he begins drawing very near to you. And you begin to discern his presence in your life and his comfort in your life. So let me ask you, have you invited God's presence into your daily life? Did you know that when you put him in the center of your life, that when you put him in the right place, you can invite God's presence into your marriage? You can invite God's presence into your work into your family. You can invite God's presence into the cab of your truck. You can invite God's presence into your classroom. To every other student in here, this is a common, ordinary place. But God is with me, and it has become holy ground. And he's showing himself faithful to me in the trial, faithful to me in what I'm facing in this classroom. That God can make an ordinary place, a warehouse, holy, because we recognize that his presence is here. Things work better in life when they're in the right place, and common places can become holy at the right time. I have one more thought for you, and that is the right time is now. The right time is now. You say, I want to I go into this next year differently than I ended this year. You say, things are cloudy up here. I'm not really sure what to think, what to believe. I've, I've let other things crowd into the center of my life, I'm very distracted right now. You can go into the next year differently than you're finishing this year. There's a reason that there's so much tension in your life. And it's because you don't have God in the center helping you relieve that tension. I love the way the Apostle Paul put this when he was writing to uh, people in a city called Corinth, it was in Greece. He says, as God's partners we beg you not to accept this marvelous gift of God's kindness and then ignore it. For God says, 
at just the right time, I heard you. On the day of salvation, I helped you. Indeed, the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. Salvation means that uh, your past can be forgiven. So yesterday can be settled. It means that in your present, in your now, you can have a meaning, you can have a purpose for living, and that you can have a future that God is preparing for you, a future in heaven, that you don't have to be separated from God's presence forever. You can live with Christ at the center forever. When you don't know what to believe, you trust Jesus, that he does know. As the worship team comes back up to lead us, um, I invite the rest of us to pray. Let's bow our heads and, and turn to Jesus, who is Emmanuel, who is here with us. He'll hear you. Just turn your thoughts, your heart, your affection, your direction right now to Christ. Say, Jesus, thank you for the gift of your life. You came when I could not get to you. Just tell him what you're feeling. If you're feeling out of place, say, Lord, I, I feel out of place. If you feel like he's out of place in your life, tell him that. Lord, I feel like you're out of place in my life. And I don't know completely what it means to center my life on you and for you to be the center, but I want to begin to learn what that means, and I'm trusting you, Lord, to help me, to lead me. Thank you for coming. Thank you for giving up equality with God and all your divine privileges and laying all that down and becoming human, being made from a human. But having the power of God to live the life I could never live, to die in my place, to rise from the dead, to go prepare a place for me, And Lord, I receive you. Would you pray, Lord, would you receive me today, this Christmas? Give me the strength to live. Lord, help me in this trial that I'm facing. I am believing in you, trusting in you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. And the church said, amen. Thanks for joining us today. We would love for you to get connected to what's going on at Rockbrook Church. Visit us online at rockbrook.org for service times, small group information, and other ways you can discover your purpose here on earth.